one. This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tall Boys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking hell, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! Oh, welcome into another episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. I'm Rob. I'm Dylan. And I'm Bo. Cheers, Let's guys. Go. Cheers. Oh, a fresh bush latte to start off this podcast is the best way to do it. And we are unofficially sponsored by Bushlight and also Miller Light. That's right. Um, so shout out to our unofficial sponsors. Thank you guys for, you know, providing this extra crisp light beer, um, you know, that we can enjoy while we talk about the Hawks. And boy, do we have a lot to cover tonight, guys. Um, and you'll notice it's just the just your main host, the the three that can be. We are here to talk about the Hawks. We uh, normally have a, a special guest on. Um, we ran into some issues this week, you know, logistically with uh, there was some illness. And uh, so uh, we're just kind of putting this one out before the game. So that way, you know, all tomorrow, Saturday, you can listen to it uh, because, guys, tomorrow night at six o'clock, we got a away game at Northwestern. Um, and so a lot of time between now and then. So you'll be able to get the, the list in it. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Feel good, babe. Let's go. I'm feeling good, Rob. I'm feeling good to re- about ready to get this uh, Mad Town game behind us and ready to get going, ready to get started with the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, you said it, Dill. And we're going to talk about that. We're actually going to head right into the rewind right off the bat here. Um, if you guys, you know. Didn't know if you've been living under a rock, if you were away on vacation, whatever it is. Unfortunately, Iowa lost to Wisconsin uh, a week ago um, on Saturday. It was an 11 o'clock game. We lost 27 to 7. Um, now, it was an away game at Camp Randall. Um, Bo, you were at the game. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what that environment was like? You know, I'll be honest, and I actually talked to a buddy of mine who's a Wisconsin fan, and for those of you who don't know, they don't let the students in right away until the start of the first quarter. So I looked over at the student section, and I was thinking, like, dude, there's so many empty seats. What is going on here? Sure enough, they filled up by the by the time halftime came rolling around, and the place actually got pretty, pretty rocking. But for the most part, it was pretty tame. Um, and then as you guys saw, Wisconsin dominated the game. Iowa really didn't have much of a fight um, at, at all, especially having three turnovers. But other than that, man, it was a it was a sea of red. It was a ton of fun. They were super welcoming to all of us Iowa fans, and it was a pretty awesome atmosphere. I will say, if you guys listening ever decide to go to Camp Randall, you won't you won't regret it. It's a it's an awesome place. I agree with you there, Bo. Uh, been there a few times myself, and that that's a fun environment. They're rowdy. They're a lot of fun. I remember we went there after uh, um, after Iowa beat the brakes off of Ohio State at home. I think it was literally at the week before. And when we were there, that's the first thing they said. They were like, hey, Iowa fan, F you. But good job last week. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, my drunken cheering from Section 133 had a big impact on the game. I do agree. But there we go, right? Yeah, dude, it was cool. Like, the game itself was not cool. Um, you know, we, we all talked last week about how Iowa was not going to win this or Iowa was going to win this game and that the West ran through Iowa city, but after watching Wisconsin's defense, just outplayed offensive line and offensive, the Wisconsin's offense looking a lot better than Iowa's. 
it's almost evident that Wisconsin is still the owner of the Big Ten West and that we're going to need a miracle to get through and, and get a West title here. We're going to need a, a Wisconsin loss. Um, and we're going to have to win out, basically, is what it, it comes down to. The Hawks are 6-2. and two. Uh, Badgers are the Badgers are five and three, but we're both three and two in conference. And then obviously Wisconsin's got the uh, head to head with us. So yeah, we're tied with Purdue, and then Minnesota's got the got the four and one record right now. But guys, I know a lot of this was talked about last week, but you know Peters only went nine for 19, 93 yards. He really didn't have any time to any time to sit back in the pocket and throw. I think our offensive line play really wasn't great. Oh, and I think garbage! And it wasn't I, great. That is underselling it like. <laughs> Absolute hot garbage. I remember at one point I'm yelling at the TV to get Nick DeYoung out there, and then they start they try to do Jack Plum, and it's like, oh my god, get Nick back in there. This is horrible. You know, at least Nick was only letting guys through once every other play. Uh, Jack Campbell, you might have had a might as well have had a brick wall standing there, just run right around them. Unbelievable. Go on, Bo. Sorry for interrupting. Oh no, you're good. I mean, I, and that's what I. Everybody sits here and, you know, blames the O-line and, and then they blame the quarterback and they blame Brian Ferentz. It's like, you know what? we got to figure it out as fans. But watching the game, it was pretty evident that we just have a ton of youth on the team and just don't have a, a bunch of experience and depth. I know Kirk Ferentz even talked about that in his presser too, but it's like, you know, think about all these guys that are playing right now. Linderbaum is the only one with true experience. And I'm going to shout out David Eichholt for saying this this week, but you know who we're missing? is our X factor from last year, Mark Kallenberger, who decided not to come back. You know, if we could have had a true tackle on either the left or right side who had a ton of playing experience and somebody of his size and maturity that could be stable, at least on one side, I think this offensive line is getting a ton more praise, you know, this far into the season as opposed to getting a ton of shots fired at him this last week for underperforming two weeks in a row. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I think that's exactly what this offensive line is missing is that typical veteran tackle presence that we're so spoiled and used to as Iowa fans. You know, you go back as, as far as Robert Gallery, Brian Balaga, Brandon Sheriff, um, Riley Reef. you know, I'm probably missing a few in there as well. Andrew Donnell. I mean, we have some studs that are still playing in the NFL and uh, Iowa – they, they lack that this year. Obviously, we have that with our anchor and Tyler Linderbaum at the center, you know, All-American, future uh, NFL player as well. So I'm with you, Bo, because we discussed this too. You know, the recruiting classes, they speak for themselves in regards to this offensive line where there is a ton of talent there. But and for those recruiting naysayers who don't necessarily think it matters that much, it does. You know, you look at – some of the what would be veteran classes. And we have a lot of guys that frankly didn't make it all the way through to their senior year. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum's class being one of them. And obviously Tyler Linderbaum came into Iowa as a defensive lineman. So uh, not a lot of people remember that, but that, that is what it is. So some recruiting misses there. Uh, and obviously that's part, part of the game. So now, you know, these guys, they have to grow up in a hurry. You know, I'm shouting out you, Connor Colby, who I think for the most part played okay, but definitely did not play good or play great. You know, I'm shouting out uh, Mason Richmond over there on the left side. Again, played average to maybe below average, but not horribly, horribly bad and not very good. So, and you got to give credit where credit's due. I think Leo Schnepp was his name, first name Leo, right? Am I crazy? Um, yeah, I forget what his first name is right now, but Chanel, that uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin, played out of his freaking mind. Uh, kudos to him and that entire Wisconsin D. They're stout. They're going to be tough for anyone to beat. And just to go to show you how tough they are, you know, comparing the sack numbers. So the Iowa defense that's known for their defense, zero sacks. The offensive line and the Iowa Hawkeyes gave up six sacks. That is absolutely unacceptable. You know, they're, they're the number two uh, defense in the nation for, for a reason. I mean, they're good, but I tell you what, like, I think Iowa's defense is legit. I think Iowa's defense is a lot better than what they played. But, man, you can't, they couldn't stop the run, and I think that's credit to Wisconsin's O-line for beating the D-line. And that goes directly into, into what you're just saying, Dill. We didn't have any pressure all day because we were on our heels because what they were doing was doing the run to set up the pass, right? Like what we always talk about. And when that happens, 
you know, more, more times than not, the pass play is going to get completed for a first down, as we saw a ton of third down completions uh, by Wisconsin, really at their will, almost exactly like what happened against Purdue two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And you're right, Dill. It's Leo Chanel. Oh, okay. um, it's a nice, nice work. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a, that was an amazing defense. I, you know, I thought they made their presence known. We only had 156 yards of total offense as a team. I mean, it's just, that's kind of unbelievable to me. And, you know, I guess it, it's believable because we, you know, don't have the greatest offense. We're going up against an elite defense. But I really thought that we had, you know, been able to sort of game plan for that. You know, and after watching the way that we played so miserably against Purdue, I thought there was going to be some changes. And even at halftime in the Wisconsin game, I thought, okay, you know, obviously Spencer Petras doesn't have a lot of time to throw back there. You know, let's start looking at some some quick read options. You know, let's see what we can do with the the offensive play calling and not to really call anybody out because I it's tough to call plays when you, the quarterback doesn't have any time or, you know, to do anything like that. If, if the offensive line is going to be basically a, you know, a turnstile for the D line. But I mean, I just think that something needs to happen and, you know, whether it's just Spencer Petras, what, you know, it doesn't seem like he has any sort of ability to escape or get out of the pocket or sometimes step up into the pocket to throw the ball he's sort of rooted into the ground. And I think a lot of fans and you saw it on Twitter, um, you know, after the game where they were like, Oh, we need more Padilla. Cause he made a play, you know, where he, they ran a couple of bootlegs with him where he was able to escape and they hit Sam Laporta down the field, which was a nice little gain for, for our offense. And really it was one of the only like sparks that I saw on the offensive line, or I mean on the offensive side of the ball that in during the game, but, you know, a lot to Rob, unpack there, but what do you think about that? You know, one thing that we always talk about here too, Rob, and I think you mention it every single week, is not only time of possession, but turnover battle. And yeah. we had three turnovers. The three fumbles absolutely killed us, especially, especially Irie Kelly Martins there on the goal line. I, hitting him right in the chest and then going straight down, that put us in a really bad spot, especially with how backed up our offense and how bad our offense had been doing at that time. Oh, absolutely. That's just hor- disgustingly horrible is I think the best phrase for it. And then the same thing as well with Max Cooper, you know, uh, fumbling that punt return. Like, and that that's going to happen. I, people will absolutely hate this coming from me. Cause I've made fun of this quote as much as anybody in the world, but that, that is football. That's football. Kirk Ferentz quote unquote. And, you know, you have to recover from that, but, we, we talked about it a few years back, playing Wisconsin at home, you know, with Sean Beyer, you know, yep. having that punt hit him. You know, teams like Wisconsin, you cannot turn the ball over once. You cannot no. turn the ball over twice. Three times, it's going to kill you every time. And, and that's what it was. You know, the hole was just too big. And, um, you know, and our best fight against it was running two fullback dives in a row, which, you know, that – Kirk said it himself after the game. Oh, do I wish I had that call back? Absolutely. But uh, I mean, I think we all, we all saw my tweet where it's like or our tweet. It's our account. I apologize, but <laughs> like that is inexcusable. Now I called out Brian Ferentz on Twitter. I did. And I'm a Brian guy. I like Brian. Uh, I'm one of the few that actually wouldn't mind him potentially being the next head coach. But then come to find out, you know, once they called that play, the guy that called the timeout, Kirk Ferentz, comes out of nowhere. And then we run that fullback dive again. So us Iowa fans, and, you know, I, I had this discussion with some fans on Twitter as well. Do we have a right to be ticked off? Absolutely. Frankly, we do. You know, we, we don't sound like Nebraska fans bitching and whining and wanting the 90s back. Like, it, it's okay to criticize, you know, these high-dollar play callers, you know, like the Brian Ferentz's of the world. That's absolutely okay, and it's okay to criticize these decisions while at the same time understanding, like, hey, 
fourth and one. We're driving. We got momentum. We just did a fullback run. Got stuffed. Uh, what's the play call, coach? And by the way, you have 20 seconds. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, you think about it like that. But these guys get paid the big bucks for that reason. So that being said, we can absolutely criticize them while still understanding it. But I don't know. I mean, after you see, you know, that Ohio State game back in 2017 where Kirk pretty much told everyone, like, yeah, that was all Brian's play calling. It's like, I don't understand why you don't take your, you know, let go of the leash. Let him run. Let him be free. Let's see what this offense can be with just Brian. Now, that being said, there's going to be some growing pains to go along with that. And I think we've seen those, especially these past couple games. So, So, yeah, overall, I guess my thought process there is, you know, criticize, criticize the coaches, support the players, and let's see what we can do with the rest of this season. I think, you know, we have four very winnable games left on the docket. And for some reason, I didn't pick those out. But just off the top of my head, I know we got Minnesota, Illinois, Northwestern, and Nebraska. So it's like, okay. Four very winnable games. I think, you know, obviously number one in the West right now is Minnesota and not to get too far off track here, but Rob touched on it earlier as well, is there is a path to win the West. You know, Bo brought it up with Wisconsin where they got Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Again, Minnesota's number one in the West right now with a four and one conference record. So, you know, there's potentially a speed bump there where if Iowa were to win out, you know, they could potentially win the West. You know, the other team that I was tied with currently is Purdue. They got Michigan State, Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana. Sorry, Purdue, it's not your year. Uh, Minnesota, 4-1 and one right now, and they got Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, and Wisconsin left. So you look at Wisconsin and Iowa are those two big tough games for them, where I think if Iowa wins that game and potentially beats Wisconsin, you know, we're, we're going to be the biggest Minnesota haters one week and the biggest Minnesota fans literally that next week as long as Iowa takes care of business. So Iowa has made their own road. They've made their own destiny incredibly, incredibly tough, but it can be done. And that's got to give us a little bit of hope. And we got to, you know, I don't want to say flush it because we're fans. We don't have to flush it. We can be pissed off about losing to Purdue and Wisconsin back-to-back weeks for the rest of our lives if we want to, but that's not going to do any good. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, uh, I mean, let me say this. If Iowa wins out, right, and then Minnesota beats Wisconsin, um, and then so basically, and then we beat Minnesota, then we would be the Big Ten West champion. That would literally be the most Iowa way to win the Big West or the Big the Big Ten West um, <laughs> than ever. It's just like a, just a mud fight, just people beating on other people and you know like no one's in the you know we're going to be dropped out all the teams it seems like could be dropped out of the top 25 and we would just be in the big 10 championship against you know michigan state or ohio state or whoever. that's big 10 football right like that's in you're in you're out that's big 10 football it's oh absolutely absolutely and i think you know any reasonable fan is going to look at these next four games and say you know if iowa goes three and one we'll be pretty happy you know nine wins a chance you know, at a pretty good bowl game and potentially a 10 win season, which Kirk Ferentz considers a good season. So, but that, that's not what I want to see guys. I want to see, like, I'm tired of coming in second. I'm tired of coming in third to Wisconsin in these big 10 West sweepstakes. Now we should have talked about this last week to get the boys a little more fired up, um, especially those boys on the offensive line. But that being said, it can still happen. It can still happen for our seniors. Uh, and I, I think that'd be an incredible accomplishment to go to Indianapolis and get our asses kicked by Ohio State. I don't care what anyone says. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun to go. And I honestly think that we could compete too. Honestly, if we went out, I really think that this Iowa team can compete because I think that there's a lot of growing to do. But if they went out and they find ways to win the next four, that means something has happened on the offense and it's clicked and we're ready to go. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, um, Final thoughts, guys. I think we should just move on. We kind of vented our frustrations. Uh, 
Oh, one thing I wanted to mention um, that we didn't cover real quick. Um, what is our response to fans calling for Padilla or Deuce Hogan? Should we stay the course here? What's what? What's our stance on that? You know, if you asked me this question before that Wisconsin game, I would say you fans are morons. Stick, <laughs> stick with your racehorse. That being said, now I'm not saying that Petrus needs to be benched because I, I think that's the wrong answer. But I think this, if if this coat, if this staff were mine, if this, you know, if these players were mine. I'm playing NCAA football 2025. Um, if these players were mine, what I would do is I'd set up just like his own little package of plays where it's like, okay, you know, yeah, we're getting the shit rushed out of us right now. You know, we need some mobility here on third and short. Yeah. Throw Padilla in there. See what he can do. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that, especially because Petrus, we all know he's got an absolute cannon for an arm. You know, he's an excellent I, I wouldn't say excellent, but an excellent option at quarterback on first and second down. I think where he's really hindered this year is his third down ability because he doesn't have that scramble ability. So a jailbreak blitz, you know, say you got uh, secondary back in man, they're going to be able to cover that, you know, assuming no receivers get beat that, or no receivers beat cornerbacks and that kind of thing. And then uh, Petrus is a sick, sitting duck. So nobody wants that. Um, so that being said, you know, overall, I guess my point is, no, I don't want to see Petrus get benched. I think he should still be the starter. I think they should ride with him because he's shown the ability to play the quarterback position at a high level. That being said, I would like to see a little bit more of Padilla's mobility utilized. Also, Dill, Petrus only has four losses total as a starting quarterback. What is he? Four, six, no, ten, ten and four. I mean, that's a pretty damn good record. Like you said, speaks to his experience. And, uh, I mean, hey, man, I'm going to ride with him. He's a good quarterback. I'm riding with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess we got, we have to at this point. But it does leave, like, you know, something to wonder about. You know, the where are, you know, these other players on the roster, you know, these other guys, you know, we've seen Padilla. We know that we've heard about how good he is. We saw him. I was actually, it, I thought it was a little, I mean, you got to look at the situation, but I want to say that it was refreshing, but like, you know, we've watched a full half of 20, nothing Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Right. We watched two punts, two fumbles, and then two more punts before half. So, I mean, it was tough to, um, you know, to watch that. So seeing somebody come in and be able to actually make things happen um, was kind of a breath of fresh air, but so I can understand well, abs- that. Absolutely. And I think that goes to show you, you know, the future of the quarterback position at Iowa is in good hands. I do think Alex Padilla is going to be a stud. Now there's a difference between seeing somebody throw the ball six times versus seeing somebody throw the ball, you know, quarterback, the offense for 55, 60 plus plays. So, um, True. Now, I wouldn't say he's necessarily ready for that, but I think he proved he's ready for a role in the offense of some sort, you know, and, I think and so is worthy of that backup quarterback position. So look out, Hawkeye fans, for number eight, possibly, you know, getting some reps, um, you know, but, to, but to, I mean, just to kind of, to, you know, it's, to quote, or I was going to say to quote Bill Belichick, but this is more of a Kirk Ferentz deal. It's just, obviously we're going to ride the hot hand. Um, and I feel like right now it's Spencer's to lose. And although he hasn't played amazing, um, you know, we really haven't, you know, the offense doesn't heavily lean on him to throw the ball. So as far as like managing the game, I think he does a decent job for what the cards that he's dealt with. Absolutely, and it, it reminds me of Bo's lukewarm takes when he's supposed to have hot takes. Like, <laughs> I was not writing the hot hand because they don't have a hot hand at the quarterback position. They're writing the lukewarm hand hands of Spencer Petrus. So. Spencer, cool hand Luke Petrus. <laughs> cool hand Luke. Uh, I don't know about that. I see him shaking in third down situation. So, yeah, just just flat out. I'm, I'm not even going to place blame anywhere. I, I'm an offensive line guy, so 
I, I place a little more blame there, and I get that, but the whole offense sucked. Receivers couldn't get open. Tight ends couldn't get open. Offensive line couldn't block. Uh, running backs couldn't do anything because the holes were getting blown up. It was just yeah. bad. It was just bad. And then and then you hand it off to Ivory Kelly Martin trying to get a little spark and, you know, get the backup running back a little PT. And what does he do? He just drops it. He's like, ah. yeah, I'd, the ball's too hot for me. I don't want that. Interesting to note uh, that you brought that up. Ivory, Ivory Kelly Martin, one rush, his first touch of the game, fumble. Uh, that was his last touch of the game. And I would not be surprised if that is the last touch for the season. No. And you know it, it no actually no. I'm I, I'm with Rob on this one. I do think I do think that is the last time we've seen Ivory Kelly Martin carry the ball as an Iowa Hawkeye. I really do. I think I think Kirk's leash is a little bit longer for those upperclassmen, those leaders in the program. Uh however, no, nah, I think he, he he's in the Ferentz doghouse. I think they love him. You know, they love everything that he brings to the team and the leadership he brings to that running back room. But we have seen Ivory Kelly Martin carry the ball for the last time as an Iowa Hawkeye. Hot take. Okay. That is hot. One more thing I want to bring up, guys, before we move on. Um, and only because I've, I've been try- sort of trying to keep up here, you know, this week with the news. Uh, there's been a lot of reaction over these past two games that we've dropped uh, as a team. And uh, just kind of rounding out some of the some of the key players of this offense. So we talked about the quarterback. We talked about a little bit about, you know, what we think about the play calling, you know, the offensive line. Um, But I do want to bring up an interesting one that, you know, they talked about Tyrone Tracy. Um, Tyrone Tracy, Jr., number three, he has 13 receptions for 89 yards and one touchdown on the year. And that's through eight games. Um, that's tough because we've seen the kind of plays that he can make. He's a playmaker. Um, and to his credit, I think, uh, Spencer was asked about it in the media recently. Um, and he's just had nothing but the best things to say about Tyrone. He said he hasn't been, you know, disgruntled. He hasn't been, uh, you know, upset or, you know, or anything like that. He's basically just been a voice of leadership and unselfishness and just been saying like, Hey, you know, like it's about the team. We want the team to win. But if I'm looking at objectively the, uh, the Iowa offense, I mean, here's a guy, if we get the ball in his hands, he is, you know, similarly, you know, plays similar to Amir Smith Marset. I mean, he's a playmaker. I think we got to get him the ball. Yeah, that's a problem. We've got to find ways to get him the ball. And I think Brian was asked about it multiple times, and he's like, hey, man, we're, we just got to figure out a way to get him the ball. And they, to be honest, they just haven't been able to do it. So, I mean, kudos to Tyrone Tracy. It sounds like his, his family has definitely voiced some frustration, which arguably, the, I mean, that's probably the right thing to do. But um, it's, it's tough. We need to get our playmaker the ball, especially somebody who is touted as a first-team All-Big Ten at the beginning of the year, only having so many catches at this point. This is going to sound like coach speak coming from me, but I got a little tough love for Tyrone. I'm not, I'm not with this coddling bullshit that everybody in the world seems to be giving him. Get open. <laughs> oh, you, oh, I am getting open, but the quarterback's getting hit. Okay. Then be a leader and come up and tell your offensive line to buck the fuck up and give Spencer an extra second. Cause I'm getting open. Like that's so, uh, like, I get it. I get the frustrations. And you don't see Tyrone out there putting them out himself. You know, it, it's obviously his family. But nonetheless, it's pretty evident that he is frustrated. Get open sooner. You want the ball more? Get the ball more. Like, yeah. To me, it seems very simple. I don't know. I get that. I mean, you know, hard to – it's just hard all the way around. You're not getting time to throw to 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 make the reads that he needs to. If he's getting separation, you know, it just seems like, you know, misconnections, you know, is, is what it looks like right. to me. And and one positive thing I will say about that, because I just gave my boy Tyrone some hard tough love, and that's what it was. It was love. Because I do love him and I think I think he's a stud. Um that being said, what wide receiver in the world do you know that doesn't think he gets the ball enough? 
I mean, I wouldn't want, I I wouldn't want that guy on my team. You know, I want guys that are competitive and that want the ball every, every throw, you know? So I get where he's coming from. I do, but get open. Quit your whining. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. So, well, we can go ahead and, uh, and move on. I just wanted to address, you know, some of those, um, different things, different aspects, you know, the whole team's dealing with adversity right now. The fans are dealing with adversity. So, um, so I, so I think it's time we just move forward and look at, uh, this, this Saturday's game at six o'clock in, uh, Evanston. You got for, it. Uh, their game at Northwestern. Now I got friends that live in Evanston, visited sure. them. They're just right next to Northwestern. Um, and uh, it's a cool little area. I mean, it's just right outside of Chicago, obviously. Um, but we're going to go ahead and have to, you know, destroy the hopes and dreams of the of the T of the people who live in Evanston, the team, everyone who's a Northwestern fan. We need this game bad. And unfortunately for Northwestern, they drew a Iowa team coming off two losses. And I really don't think it's going to be close, guys. I don't either, Rob. Or you know, and I guess I thought the same thing about Wisconsin. So maybe that's a little bit more wishful thinking on my part. But <laughs> you know, a, a Northwestern team that has a lot of struggles stopping the run. Um, you know, th- this is essentially the feel-good game, right? Uh, Northwestern's been having a down year. Uh, on paper, we should be able to run down their throat all night. You know, and win a classic Big Ten ass kicking that ends up like twenty-eight to seven. Um, that's on paper, right? But not so fast, my friend. We are playing the fighting Fitzgeralds. And I remind you guys every year of how much I hate this human being of a man. Because when he was playing at Northwestern, what did guess what happened every time they played Iowa? Hayden Fry and the boys came in and just beat their ass every single time. Uh, I looked it up. I think it was last year, possibly the year before that scoring margin. And it's bad. It's, you know, I think like Iowa at one on average by like 36 points, something like that. So just absolutely abysmal Northwestern program from back in the day. And Pat Fitzgerald apparently remembers that because uh, he's got a winning record versus Kirk Ferentz right now, uh, nine and six versus him since he's taken over the Northwestern program. So uh, you, you can't count these guys out. They're, they're going to come ready to play. They've had a little extra pep in their steps all week and, uh, they're going to come out and put forth their best effort. So it's on Iowa to shut them up early. It really is. And, you know, you're talking about a team who who was down. I mean, last year, it was either last year or two years ago, they were Big Ten West champs. Now you're looking at a team that lost Isaiah Bowser, arguably one of their better running backs, and then they lost their starting running back also to an ACL tear, I believe. Quote me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, they're dealing with the injury bug this year, and, you know, it's, it's almost unfortunate. But as Iowa fans who look at Northwestern and say, dude, fuck that, fuck Northwestern, because, again, they're like a team like Purdue. They always have us. They always beat us when we, sh- when we should beat the shit out of them. So yeah, I agree with you, yeah, Bill. Absolutely. They're just, they're just a thorn in the side. You know, Pat Fitzgerald came out after a game a few years back, and they said Iowa does nothing fancy. You know exactly <laughs> what play they're going to run when they line up. And it's on you to stop it. And, you know, there was a couple of Wisconsin defensive players that pretty much said the same thing where it's like, we all know this. We're not dumb. We watch the games. Iowa is predictable. You know, I feel like I'm right. 75% of the time calling plays from the stands like, Oh, yep. Stretch, right. Oh, stretch, right. How'd you know that? Oh, I've watched Iowa football for 20 years. Like it's not difficult to figure out really isn't. And I don't think it's meant to be. You know, because Iowa prides themselves so much on execution. But you're, I mean, you got it spot on. Like, Fitzy's got their number. And that's why I hate the human being of a man. <laughs> well, this Northwestern team is unranked. They're three and five total. They're six in the Big Ten West. Um, this team so far has had wins against Indiana State. Ohio University and Rutgers. They've lost to Michigan. They've lost to Minnesota most recently last week, 41 to 14. It was a blowout. Uh, they lost to Nebraska 56 to seven. 
They lost a close one to Duke, and they actually, their first game of the season, they played against Michigan State uh, and lost 38-21. to So, I mean, it's kind of hard to not feel like this team is not really going anywhere based on their record, but obviously as we've talked about this, you know, this is not a team that we can sleep on. This is a team that has a coach who, you know, knows us as well as we are probably better than we know that these guys. Um, what's interesting to look at uh, when you look at this Northwestern team, um, they got a few different quarterbacks that they have been kind of throwing out there. Um, they've they've experimented with Hunter Johnson. Looks like Andrew Marty um, is another one of their quarterbacks that they have you know, had seen some playing time, but um, it looks like the guy who is going to be the signal caller um, this Saturday is Ryan Helinski. Um, he's the one who sort of is kind of commanded the offense, but it's interesting. I mean, we're, it's almost like a three-way sort of tie, uh, you know, when it comes to the quarterbacks. You know, I don't know if we're going to see like a Purdue situation where they're, they're kind of just cycling guys in and out, um, but it looks like, you know, from on paper that from the stats that these guys put up, I mean, all three of them seem to be sort of interchangeable. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's crazy about that, Rob is, you know, even if, even if uh, one of those guys is not injured and they continue to rotate in and out, you know, they're three and five right now. So they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us to do what, whatever they want to, to try and get bowl eligible. I mean, they got three, they got four games left in the season to try and get bowl eligible. So think of anything that you can trick plays, you know, any sort of anything on offense or special teams, they're going to try and do it. So we may see two quarterbacks. We may see four quarterbacks. They're going to do whatever they can to, to get us off balance and, and score on our, on our defense. Yeah. And you know, Bo, you're, you're totally right. You're, we're going to see a lot of that and doing a little bit of film study on these guys as well is you see, I wouldn't say a little bit of everything, but they have an excellent left tackle. And uh, I want to say it's Peter Skaronsky. Skaronsky, something like that, a guy that I was after and a guy I was pretty bummed out that picked the Wildcats over the Hawkeyes. And uh, But that being said, you know, when they run the ball, it's pretty predictable because they haven't had a lot of success running the ball this year. So if they do run the ball, it's going to be behind that left tackle. So, you know, it's going to be on our ends containing, I think, you know, I, I'm be curious to see what kind of look they come out with, whether they're coming out with a 4-3 or that cash look. So I think you'd probably slightly prefer the cash. However, Northwestern's a little bit more of that pro team. So I think you're going to see a little bit of both. You're going to see a lot of Kayvon Merriweather this game. So that being said, you know, it's going to be on our linebackers flying around and stopping the ball. And I think, you know, I think that's going to be a big strength for the Hawkeyes in this game and for that Iowa defense. And Jermani Harris is going to play again. He's going to start again at uh, at the cornerback position over Riley Moss with Riley Moss sitting out one more week. So I think it's a great idea to, to sit him, get him 100% healthy before bringing him back, especially against a, uh, a subpar uh, Northwestern team. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that, that's the way to go about it. And I, I've heard some criticism there too as well where some were calling Kirk a little bit too much of a player's coach because – you know, Riley Moss claims he's 100% ready to go. But, you know, Kirk's looking out for his NFL future as well because, you know, he's projected to go on the draft next year. So I, I don't know that I buy that. I think Kirk wants to win every game, but he just wants the best for the kids. I think that's one of the reasons kids come to Iowa and Kirk has such a relationship with the parents because everybody that plays out there is like a son to him. So um, I, I think he's just doing the right thing by his guy. And, Jamari Harris is a perfectly capable backup. He's proven that uh, time in and time out. He hasn't been getting smoked versus Wisconsin. Uh, even did. Yeah. So he, he's been okay. He did decently well versus Wisconsin, in my opinion. So uh, I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. And I misspoke earlier. I talked about Ryan Holinsky being the guy calling the plays. Um, but I just wanted to look back because there has been multiple quarterbacks who have played significant time for this Northwestern team. And actually, most recently, to kind of give an update here, um, as far as the quarterback goes, uh, looks like Andrew Marty uh, had played the majority of the time against Minnesota. And I don't know if that was a situation where, hey, we're just putting in the second team because we're losing so bad. 
um, versus Ryan Holinsky. But I mean, Andrew Marty is the the one that's listed first, and it's uh, ten for 16, 93 yards, two touchdowns um, against Minnesota. And I'm not sure if that's against the second team. Like I said, Ryan Holinsky in comparison, one for six for five yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So it's kind of hard to tell just looking at the box score. Uh, I'll continue to look at it to see, you know, what their depth chart sort of looks like. I'm going to actually look that up here, but I just wanted to kind of verify that with you, with the listeners out there. So that in case, you know, they tried out Andrew Marty <laughs> starting quarterback, you know, I don't want people thinking back, Hey, Rob, you said that uh, I said it was going to be uh, Halinski, you know? <laughs> so I want to make sure that we get it right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, guys, um, I mean, Northwestern, all I, they don't have Isaiah Bowser anymore like they did last year. Um, but Evan Hole seems to be the guy. 15 carries last game for 107 yards. He averaged seven, seven yards a carry. And as long as it was 30. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, so I know that they got some pretty talented guys in the backfield. That's kind of what the yeah. Yeah, and he, he's kind of the highlight of their offense right now. Like I said, you know, they've, they've had some success running the ball behind that left tackle and Skronsky. And uh, so he, he's definitely one to watch out for. And, you know, it's it's just going to be typical contained football. I think on the defensive line, you're not going to see those boys out there making a lot of tackles for loss and not necessarily padding the stats. But this is one of those games where you see Jack Campbell, uh, Seth Benson, and, you know, potentially Justin Jacobs go out, go off. So let's go. Perfect. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see how, how it goes um, as far as this, this game is concerned. Um, it's going to be at six o'clock, like I said, in Evanston. Um, and I actually just looked up the, the depth chart and it does look like Ryan Holinsky is listed ahead of Marty. Um, although Marty is the senior and Holinsky is a sophomore. Um, so Right. I think you'll, I think we'll see Holinsky start this game, Rob. I think you were right. Um, but that being said, I also think we're going to see all three of them. So, uh, yeah, because like Bo said, I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink and ride the hot hand and see what works. So it's going to be on our defense. And that's a kind of a funny segue. Am I right? Or am I right? To Dylan's keys to victory. Now, Dylan's keys for the longtime listeners even your first timers. So, you know, uh, I typically like to go through my previous week's predictions and my previous keys to discuss how I did this week. You fellas may have noticed. I did not include them on our weekly outline because they were all just horribly wrong. And I'm just going to take the F, you know, I'm saying where, you know, you remember high school teachers back in the day, they're like, yeah, we'll give you one exam that you can just flunk. (laughs) You can just flunk in. We'll call it good. We'll wave that one. We're waving that one. Okay. We're waving that one. So I did bad. I failed. That's my outlier. I'm usually spot on. And I plan to continue that this week, starting with the offense. Offense's number one goal this week. We have to protect the quarterback. I'm looking at you, offensive line. I've given you some heat. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, get these fellas going. I know you lied your ass off to the media and you said they were close to breaking out. Get them going. Make them serviceable. Come on. Be a leader out there. And let's impose our will on a slightly inferior defensive line. I think we're going to do it. That being said, we got to get the offense going. I don't care how. It can be running the ball. It can be passing the ball. It can be Spencer putting the ball in between his legs and duck walking for a touchdown. I don't care. Let's get some positive yards. Let's get the offense going. Let's get a little bit of, what's the word, momentum going for the rest of the season. So let's go any way, shape, or form. Defensively, we got to capitalize off turnovers. It is absolutely imperative. Uh, No turnovers these past couple weeks. That can't happen. You know, our offense, frankly, just isn't good enough. So defense, you got to help the offense out a little bit. Let's cause some fumbles. Let's get some picks. Let's do what we can. And then it's on the offense to capitalize off of those. So we need the turnovers and then special teams. I'm not going to go anything crazy. I just want disciplined special teams. I'm looking at, you know, uh, Max Cooper, 
you know, we want, we want Charlie Jones back there returning the ball. And I think we're going to see that a little bit this week uh, and no discredit to Max whatsoever. I think he's one of those red shirt seniors that decided to come back for another year and help this team out. And we genuinely appreciate it, but he also had no business being in there. So uh, I just want to play disciplined turnover free special teams ball this week. Oh, Bo says Charlie Jones was hurt. I don't care. I'd rather have a hurt Charlie Jones in there. So, <laughs> let's go. Go Hawks. Um, so yeah, discipline special teams and Hawks, Kirk, Brian, Phil, you guys listen to Hawkeyes and tall boys. I know you do every Friday night over a few brewskis are for Kirk. We all know he likes St. Pauli's girl. That's his beer of choice. So he's going to have a St. Pauli's girl and listen to Hawkeyes and tall boys and take my thoughts into consideration and let's go get a W in shy town tomorrow. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I hope that all goes right. Dylan, we know if they would just listen to you, then we would be, you know, not eight. No going into this game right now. You know, and a lot of people say that Rob, I think a lot of people in this world have gone through life saying, you know, if I would have only listened to Dylan, if I would have had that one more beer, if I would have made that bad decision, maybe my life would be different right now, but what can we do? So people, <laughs> people have regrets. You just got to learn from them. And I forgive Brian and Kirk and uh, Phil for not listening to my suggestions the last couple of weeks. And I think they've opened up their suggestion box to the fans like us. So good. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they haven't. Let's be real, but <laughs> <laughs> well, if they haven't, they need to, um, if you, if you have friends that don't listen to Hawkeyes and tall boys, you need to get them in. You need to under, you need to, you know, take them under your wing, introduce them to a new podcast, because obviously we're just speaking the truth. We just Correct. want this team to put their best foot forward and for the last two weeks, guys, or three weeks, rather, uh, they have now, and they're going to look to change their fate this Saturday at six o'clock against the Northwestern Wildcats in Evanston, Illinois. The weather is going to be a nice 56 degrees in Evanston tomorrow at six o'clock. And so it's going to be partly sunny. I think it's going to be uh, excellent weather for football, uh, excellent weather for November football. To be honest, it could be snowing. Um, and so right now, guys, that kind of brings us into a nice little area where we like to look at the game, look at the betting lines. We, uh, want to give you the best information that we have, the, the, the most recent information. Uh, so that way you can make the best decisions and make the most money. If you like to put money down, if you're in a state that it is legal to bet on college football, then I applaud you. And obviously we are, we're in Iowa. And recently guys, Barstool Sportsbook has been live in Iowa. So now we got pretty much every sportsbook you'd really want. And if you're not in a state where it's legal, get a bookie. I did it in college. It's, it's a good time. Not that we're recommending you do illegal activities, but you can find a bookie. Just go to your local townie bar. You'll find a bookie. Go on. Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so right now I'm just going to give you the lines that we're, what we're looking at. And um, right now, so in this section of, of segment that we like to affectionately refer to as our degenerate section uh, is sponsored by DraftKings. So thank you so much, DraftKings, for being our unofficial sponsor, uh, for, for giving us all the lines for this weekend's game. But right now, guys, Iowa is minus 12. As far as the spread goes, we're favored by 12 points. Um, the over-under for this game is 40.5, uh, which isn't as low as it was last week, um, but it isn't as high as it's been, sort of right in the middle. Uh, Iowa it, money line is minus 475 odds. Uh, Northwestern's plus 350 to win outright. Um, and that's according to DraftKings. So when you look at these lines, guys, obviously Iowa heavy favorite. You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I can kind of start out here. I, I really think that Iowa's offense kind of gets it going, but unfortunately not at the rate that we'd like to. Uh, I shouldn't even say that, too. I think that we're going to win the time of possession battle, thankfully, um, due in part to Iowa's run game. And I think that we're going to see a heavy dose of Tyler Goodson. And honestly, we're going to see a heavy dose of Gavin Williams. Um, as you guys both alluded to, 
who knows if we'll see Ivory Kelly Martin, but you know, it'd, it'd be great to get uh, Gavin Williams touches because he's a bigger back, heavier back, and we're just going to run the clock out. We'll probably do a couple things to get Petrus involved, um, you know, so he can get some more confidence in, the, in his past game. So I, I, I like what you guys have to say about uh, the Hawks, or I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say, but I think the, the Hawks roll this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I think if you're a smart betting man, you're taking the Hawks to cover that spread and you're parlaying it with the under because, and you'll see why in predictions, but I, I got to say Iowa normally hits the under, so that's going to happen. And I think for the most part, Iowa does a pretty decent job covering the spread as well. So uh, with the exception of these past couple weeks, obviously. So I got Iowa and the offense rebounding and I got the defense coming up big as well. So take Iowa and the spread and take the under. Perfect. That kind of, you know, nicely glides us into predictions, guys. So I'd love to um, get your thoughts. Um, maybe we can go down to Bo. And what do you what do you predict this game to, to look like? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Dill. I think we take the spread, but we take the under. And I know, again, we aren't going to like this outcome, um, but a win's a win. I'm going to go 20 to three Hawkeyes. Win by 17 points, um, but I don't think that we score as many points as what everyone else thinks. Again, every time we overshoot, I think Iowa underperforms. So I'm going to keep it at that 20-point range. I think we get a couple field goals that uh, we obviously don't end, end up put, turning into touchdowns. And I think our offense does get rolling, and I think that 20 points is sufficient against a, a really bad Northwestern football team. Dill, your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to win this one 35 nothing. <laughs> I would love to see that. That's it's interesting. Gonna it's going to happen. <laughs> that's that's the spread in the under, just like you said. I also think spread in the under, guys. So we're three for three when it comes to that decision. But I I actually think, and this is funny, I was going 21-6. So you're thinking 20 to three, Bo. We're right in the same ballpark. You bet. <laughs> you bet. Um, and, then, and then Dylan's off in his own universe, 35 nothing. That's my blind faith, kids. But at the same time, no, I'm with in this Hawkeye team. I'm with Rob. I would much rather have it 35 nothing than 20 to three or 21 to six, you know? Well, absolutely. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, world. I'd, yeah I, I'd rather eat a big Reese's than, a, you know, just a little one pack that you can buy or that you steal from your kid trick or treating. You know what I mean? But yeah, either way, you're still eating chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst analogy in the world. And for the listeners, I apologize. That was just bad. So I loved it. Either way, you're still eating chocolate. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish there was an over/under on turnovers. There isn't. I was just looking under game props for for DraftKings. It's got to be like Iowa minus one and a half, or or I guess the you know, yeah. If, one if, and a half. Well, let's play hypotheticals here because we're all gambling addicts. It's all good. Um, yeah, I would take that over. I think Iowa does come out and get turnovers this game, and I think you're going to see a fired up defense and I, I don't know how they're going to do it because last week I know I predicted a few fumbles and that obviously went the other way and bit me in the ass. So I don't want to say how I think it's going to happen, but I think this Iowa defense is going to turn it around this week and uh, get back to the mean and start getting some turnovers again. I hope so. Well, that leads us right into hot takes, baby. What kind of takes do we got that are too hot to handle? I got one that's too hot to handle, and I know you guys are going to laugh at me, but okay. I was going to get the offense going. And don't tell me that's a hot take or not a hot take. <laughs> Do not tell me it's not a hot take. Because I, I, think, I think everybody in the world thinks that Iowa's got a trash offense. They're going to get it going Saturday night. Hot take, sizzling. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that too. And I think the Twitter quarterbacks are going to shut the hell up. I'll be honest with you, this is going to be a hot take in its own, but Iowa fans are so, so dramatic. Like, I love our fan base, don't get me wrong, but, God, we are so fucking dramatic when we lose and when we win. It's so hot and cold, it's unbelievable. Every sport, everybody's sore losers. And and don't, don't get me wrong, like, I'm a sore loser myself, but, like, Jesus Christ, sometimes I look on Twitter, it's almost fucking depressing. Anyway, anyway, where I'm going with this hot take, not calling out anybody here. Just where I'm going is just the Twitter. Everyone, go on. Yeah. The Twitter world is going to be happy again. Hawkeyes are going to get back in the win column here. 
and all the Twitter quarterbacks thinking that Brian's a terrible play caller, that Peters is a bad quarterback, and the O-line sucks. Everybody's going to shut the hell up and finally understand, you know, see a good Iowa team performance this weekend. Oh, no. I <laughs> I like that, Robin. And I, I was giving some people smack on Twitter, too, because, you know, everybody was hating on Tyler Barnes, uh, the recruiting coordinator for Iowa, his comments, where the, some, some moron reporter was like, yeah, hey, uh, do you know what or what has the recruiting effect been like after these past couple weeks? And Tyler Barnes is like, uh, fine. You know, thank goodness these 16 and 17 year old kids aren't as bipolar as our fan base. That, <laughs> that was the PG 13 version of what he said, because he said something a lot more respectable than that. And people just lost their minds. It's like, how dare he put out such a bad product and then come out and say that it's like, it's true. You know, I think I can't remember what I would recruit it was. I want to say it was Bo Stevens a few years back, but he had such a great quote when it comes to recruiting. He said, you know, a lot of kids look at this the wrong way. It's not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. Because when I leave that school, I'm going to be a graduate of said university. I'm pretty sure it's Bo Stevens. You guys can look me up on that if I'm wrong. But, yeah, we're, we're a fragile fan base, and, and I'm part of it. You, you guys should have seen me. My poor dogs that you guys probably hear in the background running around, they looked at me terrified several times. <laughs> After the two fullback dives in a row, like – I was calling for everybody's head. I wanted everybody fired. Um, luckily, I have some self-control that, you know, I only broke one of my four windows. So, I mean, thank goodness for that. But <laughs> Rob, do you have any hot takes? Hot takes for me. I, uh, I want to give a – I really want to give you a hot take about how the offense is going to do amazing. But – I just can't. I just haven't seen it. I'm scared. The offensive line is literally like the basic building block of anything being good on offense. And I just haven't seen it. And it's, I hope that they turn it around Dill, And I, I hope that everything you said happens, but it's, I can't give a hot take about the offense and I'd love to give you a hot take about the defense, but I don't think it'd be hot because they're already good. And they played really well, honestly, uh, in, against Wisconsin for all the things that they were, you know, they were on the field for forever. They were always backed up against their own end zone, you know, so they were just doing the best with, with the play, the cards that they were dealt. But I'm giving you guys a hot take this week about the special team. And I think that we return a kick for a touchdown. Love it. That's awesome. That's a great take right there, Rob. Love that because too. there's been very there's been a few times where Charlie Jones is just one guy away, you know, before he gets to the kicker and then it's see you later touchdown taking it to the house. I think Charlie Jones has what it takes. He's shifty. Um, I don't know, you know, what it is, you know, about the way that we line up or, or just maybe it's Charlie Jones, just like, um, you know, raw talent. But I mean, the first guy never tackles him and um and he's been able to find creases, you know, and like putting us in great field position. Not that we do anything with it, God forbid, but he's just, you know, been able to really, I mean, he's a fast guy. He's very shifty. I think that he's somebody who can, has what it takes to return a touchdown. Remember that year where a miss Amir Smith Marset said that he was promised us a kick return touchdown. Um, Charlie Jones has did it. And he did it. He came through on his promise. So I'm yeah, saying that, like, you know, there. obviously, like, Charlie Jones hasn't promised that or, you know, to us, but he might as well have with his play. I want to see it happen. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great game to do it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I could see it happen. So that kind of wraps things up for our prediction, guys. Do I want to see if what do we got from the mailbag? Uh, we got nothing. I think the fans are. You know, still a little distraught about the last couple losses, and it's hard to hard to blame them. And they're probably uh, watching Iowa basketball right now, playing slippery slippery rock. That's a good point. Yeah, the Iowa Hawkeye basketball teams watching slippery rock or playing slippery rock, uh, and then as well as the Iowa wrestling team getting ready to go. Uh, did you guys see that they sold out season tickets? So <laughs> and sold out yep. was it Minnesota and. Penn State, both. Yeah, both those Minnesota deals. and Penn State are both sold out already. So that's Crazy. 
That's just wild. That's tickets hadn't even gone public yet. That's that's insane. So yeah, that that Penn State meet is going to be one for the record books. I know the one a few years back was as well. So that's going to be a fun one. I'm pretty fired up about wrestling season coming up. But yeah. we got a Big Ten championship to win first. That's right. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's Great go Hawks. Tonight, boys. Good episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. And we're going to go ahead and close it out as we always do with a little Hawkeye victory polka as soon as I get that pulled up here. All righty. Let's go, Hawks. What do we say? Come on now. In heaven, there is no Miller Lite. <laughs> because it's a shitty movie. Or Bush Lite. Yeah, because this is a shitty movie. <laughs>